0: This is Tom Schreiber, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Tom Schreiber. Smeider whip!
1: Scars. Scores! Now it's front scores! Paul Rabel. Gake splits two and scores! Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home! What a start!
0: Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of pro lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Stoked to have you guys for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm joined by my co-host, Adam. Adam, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, my man. Just got done my first job of the day and ready ready to talk some lacrosse. I'm excited to get to it. Awesome. Ready to talk some
0: lacrosse with you. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, we have PLL playoff predictions, uh, John Grant Jr.'s record-setting day, and uh, the 2019 WPLL All-Star team that was announced last week. So a lot to talk about, uh, but let's get started as usual with our fast break.
1: Alright, so starting with the MLL on Saturday, uh, the Outlaws uh, got back into a win column with a 16-13 victory over the Lizards. The Bayhawks beat the Blaze 16-13 as well, and the Rattlers continued their winning streak, beating the Cannons 13-10. And then on Sunday, uh, in their second games of the weekend, the Rattlers got win number 6 in a row against the Bayhawks 14-13. Next with the PLL on Saturday, the Atlas defeated the Chaos 12 to 9, and in the two games on Sunday, in game 1, the Redwoods clinched a spot in the playoffs with a decisive victory over the Chrome 18 to 7, and in game 2, the Archers clinched their playoff berth, rounding out the playoff spots with a victory over the Whip Snakes 11 to 8.
0: Yeah, so there was a lot of great games this weekend. A lot of close ones with major playoff implications in both leagues. Uh, we're going to touch on a lot of them coming up. But let's start with the first one in the PLL, the Atlas over the Chaos. The, the Atlas did what they needed to do and get a win and you know added yep. a little bit to their goal differential, but it ended up not being enough. But tell me what you saw from this game, Adam.
1: The The main thing that I got from this game was... Jack Kincannon is the number one goalie for any team uh, in, in professional lacrosse. Came up huge, 18 saves, almost had a 70% uh, save average on the day. He came up big when he needed to. That attack line for the Atlas also had another strong game. It seems that when that at- attack line plays well, whether it's Keenan McCardle. Eric Law, um, really anyone at Ryan Brown, anyone on that uh, attack line plays well. Um, That's when they've had the most success this year. So um, I'll be curious to see. Unfortunately, like you said, uh, despite the win, they won't be in the playoff picture. Um, So they'll be in that consolation bracket trying to go for that first overall pick. I'll be curious to see uh, how that goes for them and and what they do going forward. Uh, They potentially could have next year's first round pick and might have – too technical uh, first-round pick overall um, if Pat Spencer does decide to take on uh, the PLL next year. So they may look a little bit different, as a lot of teams will, um, for next season. But it's a, it's a good end to the regular season for them. Unfortunately, it's not the result they probably wanted when it comes to the playoff picture. Um, but there's still some time for them to play really well and gel as a team going into this uh, consulary bracket, um, which... We talked about a little bit when the playoff format was announced. This is an awesome way for teams to continue their season, um, even if they're not in the playoff side of things. So kudos to the PLL for this really uh, innovative playoff bracket.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I'm glad we still get to see uh, at least one more game for, you know, Trevor Baptiste, Paul Rables and Jack and Cannon. So because, you know, it's crazy to think that they're not in the playoffs. Um you know that obviously the Atlas were up and down all season, but they yeah. finished strong. You know Trevor Baptiste and Jack and I think were the two two rocks on that team that really were consistent even when times were rough. So um, you know and we had we were treated to a nice Trevor Baptiste goal in which yeah. he was miked up during the time they were talking to him prior to his face off. He wins the face off, goes down and scores, uh, and then they're interviewing him right after. I thought, you know, I, again, it just shows the innovation that the PLL has really brought to this league. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, too, with the playoff format, we get to see them uh, play in at least two more games. Um, they'll be fighting for that top draft pick. The winner will advance to that final draft pick game, while the loser will take on the loser of the number four, number three seed. So, you know, we'll, we'll still get to see these teams, which is nice. Um, And, and, you know, the draft pick is definitely a big thing. It's a big incentive even for these losing teams. You mentioned Pat Spencer. You know, I don't know if it resets uh, where teams can draft him again next year or or if he's still somehow locked in with the Archers. I don't know how that works. you still got guys like Grant Amon and Michael Sowers who could potentially be joining uh, that draft next year as well. But let's talk about some of these young guys that are are really doing well that are in the league right now. And the big guy I want to talk about is Ryder Garnsey in that Redwoods-Chrome game. Uh, the Redwoods needed to, to win big. They couldn't just get by with a win. They needed at least seven goals to make their goal differential higher than the Atlas, and they got it done. Um, they knocked off the Chrome 18-7. Huge day from Ryder Garnsey. He had four goals and three assists, uh, and he was scoring any way imaginable. Uh, one-handed goals, one-handed passes, goals from the ground. He is so electric and so much fun to watch, and I have a hot take, really, to make. I think he may be the most electric lacrosse player we've seen since Mikey Powell. Is he the second coming of Mikey Powell? We'll have to see. I mean, he's only played one professional season, but just the way he plays uh, and the creativity he has, I don't think we've seen anything like it and the pure athleticism. I mean, he, he just scores from any way possible, and that's what reminds me of Mikey Powell is you know, even when you had him on the ground, uh, he still was a threat to score, um, you know, there's a lot of great guys that that are out there that you know are same level as Ryder. You know, you got Connor Fields, Matt Rambo. Um, so I don't want to do any of those guys a disservice, but I just think the way he plays really reminds me of uh, Mikey Powell, and it's an exciting
1: brand of lacrosse. Yeah, no, I completely agree. He's a super exciting player to watch, and uh, they came up huge. You know, it, it was going to be interesting. I was thinking before um, how last week ended for them, um, and Nat Saint Laurent said. He still had faith in these guys despite that big blowout uh, loss last week. And uh, and they all came out to play in, in a big way. So kudos for the squad to get this decisive victory. And you saw a well-rounded uh, offense from guys maybe that haven't lived up to the bill like Kyle Harrison and Joe Walters uh, this season. Some of the vets came up big in this one as well. So um, I, I think the four, we'll talk about the Archers in a sec, but um, I think the four teams that were best all season made the playoffs.
0: No, I agree. I thought the Atlas were um, a little bit inconsistent, too inconsistent to really deserve to make the playoffs. You know, they finished strong, but I I think it would have been uh, really a disappointment if the Redwoods had missed out and the Atlas had gotten in. So, no, I I agree with you with that, and the same with the Archers, and we'll we'll talk about them a little later. But, yeah, you mentioned that the Redwoods got a lot of scoring from all over the place. I mean, obviously the big guys were the Notre Dame guys and Garnsey and Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh had four goals uh, as well, including a crucial two-pointer, um, at the half, a two-point buzzer beater that really, you know, gave them a momentum going into the halftime that put them up 8-6. to six. So, you know, those guys performed. But you mentioned, you know, Kyle Harrison, Joe Walters, even Jojo Morasco got on the board. And Greg Grenlian, uh, he went down, won a faceoff, scored a goal, and uh, he ended up actually saying during the game, during another uh, in-game interview, that he was going to give the ball to an Albany student who had cancer. So I thought that was a nice touch as well. Overall, that was my most exciting game to watch. Um, and again, it would have been very disappointing if this Redwoods team didn't didn't make it. And it was pretty scary early on too. You saw Jules Henningberg uh, take that nasty cheap shot from Queener to the head. Uh, he would leave with a concussion, but he said after the game he tweeted out that he's doing fine. So I think we'll see him suit up in two weeks. I thought how the officials handled it in game was great, uh, giving you know Queener an eight minute. Um, and then I also like how the league you know followed it up giving suspension and a fine because I think that kind of sets the tone and a precedent that these type of plays aren't going to be allowed and, you know, raises the consequences for these type of plays. So kudos to the league for taking action on that and they assessed it the right way and uh, gave out the right punishment to Queener for, for that hit. Yep. But uh, we, we mentioned the Archers, Adam. They're another team that, you know, they could have gotten in if the Atlas or the Redwoods would have just lost. But come game time, uh, they had to win to get in, and they delivered. They beat the Whip Snakes eleven to eight, thanks in large part to our friend of the podcast, Tom Schreiber, who who looked like a man on the mission on Sunday. So tell me what you saw from that game.
1: Yeah, it was it was a well-balanced uh, offense uh, again from, from an archer squad who uh, we expect it from. You know that attack line for them. Uh, Chris Cuccinello had a big day with four points. Uh, Will Manny as well had four points and Marcus Holman uh, only uh, had two points on the day but it was two big goals uh, for that squad. And Drew Adams in cage in the second half really shut things down um, and held the Whipsnakes to only one goal in the second half in the fourth quarter uh, making eight saves. Um, almost a 90 percent save percentage for the for the second half so um the big players for uh the archers came up huge when when it was most needed so um this is the type of attack from an offensive perspective that we are waiting to see from the archers. And, you know, going back to the interview with Tom, um, he talked about uh, it being a slow boil, right? They had their ups and downs, but um, they wanted to play their best lacrosse late in the season. And this is probably the game he was thinking of when it was talked about um, making the playoffs. And this, this really was a playoff game for them based off of um, the two games earlier in the weekend. They need, this was a must win for them. And um yeah, and they, and they came out on on the right side for for the playoff picture and they'll be heading in the playoffs with some steam. Yeah, no,
0: and I think you mentioned it with Drew Adams and just the defense is not allowed uh really more than 13 goals as long as I could remember in a while. And I think that's big because you have these high powered offenses and the Archers have kind of proven that they as long as they can score goals on, of their own, they can kind of stifle those a little bit. Um and I think the biggest question Adam is do you go with Drew Adams the whole game? It's not that Adam Gittleman's playing poorly, you know, but Drew Adams has just been playing at another level. I mean, he single-handedly won them that game, I, I feel like, in that second half. You know, they got a lot of production from their attack and got the goals they needed, you know, to come back and win. But I, I just I don't, don't know how you can go into the playoffs and not have him play all four quarters. What are your, what's your opinion as a goalie on that
1: Obviously, as a goalie, I want to play the whole game, right? But I, I think it's something to say for, for a squad that has been so consistent from the goalie position. Obviously, it seems like um, Drew has been playing at a little bit more consistent from uh, a goals against average than, than Adam Gittleman has. But there's something to say about an offense uh, having to change gears and, and face, uh, we, like we talked about in weeks past, a different style of goalie in, in two different halves, whether it's from a hand perspective, which side you're shooting from or, or a variety of different things. They, they're they just two distinct different, distinct uh, playing styles, and I think that has to do with it as well. And Adam Gittleman didn't have the big best game, obviously, uh, of the season so far, only uh, making three saves on nine shots. But um, I, I think you have to stick with it. Unless Gittleman comes out in the playoffs um, in the first quarter and is just not playing well at all, I, I think you have to stick with the tandem just because of how well – they've been doing since they switched to the tandem.
0: No yeah no I, you make a good point and as a goalie you kind of know like how it, different styles can actually affect you know and I know as being on the offensive side that you, you do prepare for a goalie and having to prepare for two distinct goalies um, it does throw you off a little bit it's almost like playing two different games so uh, no very valid points with that and we'll be looking forward to seeing how they perform come playoff time. Um, but with that, let's go to a break. We'll hear a quick word from our sponsor, and then let's talk about these WPL All-Stars.
1: Before history is written,
0: Orr, the and it's played. Tinelli, the Neister, Before it's frozen in time, <laughs> fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the stanley cup final on abc and espn plus begins saturday all right welcome back uh now it's time we're going to talk about the wpl all-star roster that was announced it is an honorary roster so there's not going to be any games played Uh, but it's really you know the elite of the WPLL this season got recognized. And, uh, you know, really, I I think they they did a good job of, you know, getting everybody on the list. But on the honorary all-star team, you had, at attack, Dana Dobie for the Brave, Katrina Dowd for the fight, Hannah Nielsen for the fire, and Kayla Trainer for the fight. At midfield, you had Dempsey Arsenault for the Brave, Taylor Cummings for the fight, Amanda Johansson for the Brave, and Marie McCool for the Brave. At defense, you had Meg Dowdy at the command. You had Meg Dowdy for the command. Katie Hirsch for the command, Alice Mercer for the fight, and Tiana Walper for the brave. And then finally in goalie, you had Liz Hogan for the pride. Since the league is only made up of five teams, you really got the cream of the crop. There's one person I in particular would like to have seen maybe Sam Apuzo get on. She had 15 points, um, but she was also playing on the fight you know, with Katrina Dowd and Taylor Cummings and uh, Kayla Trainer, A lot of fight would have been on that roster, so I kind of understand that. And you got to kind of play the game. If you put one on, who would you take off? And I don't know if I would take anyone off this list. So I don't know. What were your thoughts on this, Adam?
1: At a- any time you have uh, a five-team league, um, you're already going to have – the best talent in the world playing, so uh, to make this list is definitely a big deal uh, for the players that did. Um, like like you said, I think it would have been great for Sam Apuzo on there. I think it wouldn't have been a bad uh, add to have front of the pod Kylie Olmiller as well um, make that squad. But I completely understandable with with the players that that did make the team. Um, kind of like looking forward, I would love to see an All Star game. Um, I don't know if it'd be halfway through their season or or kind of like the NFL does with the Pro Bowl at the end of the season just be another great opportunity for the league um, to kind of expand the the growth of the game for the for the women's side of professional ball um, and see but I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do going forward it was a pretty cool opportunity for them as well to see what they did on Instagram with, with uh, the announcing of the team so good job by the WPLL all around um, for, for making the squad up
0: yeah no definitely and like you said Uh, maybe they have an all-star game next year. Maybe I, I'd like to see it. Maybe kind of like the Pro Bowl. You know, following the season, they've traveled to England and Japan in the past. So I think it'd be cool. Maybe not necessarily go global with it, but uh, have an all-star game in a different location than just like the East Coast, since they played only on the East Coast. Maybe you have it in LA, where you have you know the USC team is there, and you have some other you know, West Coast teams, or you have it down maybe farther south in Florida. You know, the Florida women's team has been pretty good recently. So, you know, maybe mix it up a little bit in terms of locations, uh, kind of, you know, trying to grow the game a little bit, kind of how the PLL is doing. But, you know, overall, great list. Uh, Like I said, it's hard to really take anybody off that list.
1: Um, So well done to the WPLL. And this doesn't stop uh, our, our, just for, for fans' notice, this doesn't stop our uh, coverage of the WPL. We're, we're excited to be able to cover them this coming offseason. And, you know, after season one, uh, they kind of rebranded uh, to, to do the tour-based model like the PLL. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see what, what they have going on in the offseason. We have some questions just like we may with the PLL, what an offseason looks like for the WPLL from a, a player movement standpoint um, and next year's draft. So look look for more coverage uh, and interviews from WPLL players and, and PLT going forward. Yeah, no, we'll
0: have Tiana Walper, you know, who made that list. That will be our third All-Star on the podcast. Uh, she'll be joining us uh, within the next two weeks. Yep. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, but like you said, yeah, we're, we're excited to continue to cover the women's game even in the offseason. Now, going on from that, uh, we're going to touch on the MLL. Uh, We had a record-setting day with John Grant Jr. Again, he he broke the points record. Uh, The previous record was including postseason points. Um, This new one was just regular season only, but he again passes Paul Rabel. He got his 572nd career regular season point early in the first quarter, and he ended up finishing that night with seven points altogether, two goals and five assists. But,
1: Adam, let's talk about the, the GOAT right now. He, uh, he for sure is, is the GOAT of at least the MLL going forward. I mean, um, from an offensive standpoint, this was an awesome turnout for him to have this many points in a game, and not only big for him, obviously, but a big win for uh, an outlaw squad that was kind of reeling from here, you know? They they hadn't won in, in five games, and um, so... It, they had lost four in a row and th- this was a big win um obviously the win's kind of getting overshadowed by by the play of John Grant Jr. And, and rightfully so but uh this was a big win for them kind of going forward with a few weeks left in the regular season to to get this victory under their belt and get back in um the winning circle so uh, but awesome game overall by by a lot of players not just Grant John Grant Jr. uh Ryan Lee had five points on the day uh Chris Azalanian had five points as well um and from the face X Max Adler, uh, 120 a 31 too. So um, definitely a strong performance uh, for, for the Outlaws overall. Um, but man, John Grant Jr., I, I think you could throw him out there when he's 50 um, and he'd probably still have the capabilities of scoring a couple. Um, just an awesome, awesome weekend for, for the Outlaws and their Denver fans. It's crazy
0: that he's at 44 years old. I mean, he really is the Tom Brady of lacrosse, essentially. Uh, playing at a high level, and there was a nice NPR uh, radio interview, too, that I listened to, just talking about how he really wanted to come back, you know, for his daughter, and a lot of what he's been doing this season has been for his daughter, so a really great story. If you guys get a chance to check it out, I definitely recommend it, but yeah, we've enjoyed watching him play. I'm so glad he came back for another season, because, you know, we talked about how we were a little, you know, concerned whether he still had it in the tank, and he certainly does, so he's been proving that day in day out. So exciting to see uh, him finish out this season, and the Outlaws are back into the thick of it in the middle of the MLL. But let's uh, transition from talking about one of the older players and talking about some of these younger players on uh, the, the Dallas Radlers. They won their fifth and sixth straight victories uh, this weekend. They started out zero and seven, are now six and seven, and you know if they win this coming weekend, they'll be back at five hundred and you know in a dead heat for the, the final playoff spot you know, with a bunch of other talented teams. So they're getting it done. Um, ended up winning against the Cannons 13-10. to 10. That was a big win for them. The Cannons yeah. just looked kind of asleep. Uh, you know, it, it was a, a solid game by them, but, you know, the, the Rattlers just have shown that they're going to play that run-and-gun style. Uh, they're going to force transition. You know, they have a lot of young guys. Uh, Ryan McNamara is doing wonders from the two-point arc. Yeah. You know, talk about we talk about, you know, Mike Chanachuk um, in the PLL you know, the king of the two bombs, Uh, Ryan McNamara, you know, he had two in this Bayhawks game on Sunday, and that game was so back and forth. I mean, talk about a great game. Uh, It looked like the Bayhawks were going to, you know, come out with a victory towards the end. They were leading 11-9, and then the Rattlers eventually, you know, tied it up 11-11 and took a commanding lead off of a Ryan McNamara two-pointer, his second of the day, to give them the 13-11 lead. Um, and they ended up challenging this, so it was a little bit of a controversy because his foot did step on the line, but they said he released it beforehand, so that was a little bit of an issue. I know Cottle took exception to that. But they end up taking that lead, and then the Bayhawks come roaring back with a two-pointer of their own uh, and pull within one You know, with 21 seconds left. They ended up getting possession back, but they ruled that the Radlers had called a timeout uh, prior to Jesse Bernhardt getting the loose ball, so the Rattlers would run the clock out and get their sixth straight victory. And I just think, you know, the, the guy that's really uh, helped them turn this thing around is Sean Scannoni in cage. You know, he had 16 saves yeah. off of 25 shots in the first game on Saturday, and then on Sunday he followed it up with uh, 11 saves on 23 shots. So he's just playing lights out in cage, and he's a big reason why these Rad- this Rattlers team has been able to have this, as much success as they have. You know, you have guys like Luke Wittenberg, Bryce Wasserman, and, you know, Bradley Voigt that are just, you know, really performing well. And then we've mentioned, you know, guys like Jack Curran and uh, Ryan McNamara as well who are getting it done at the midfield. Overall, they're just really playing with a sort of reckless abandonment where, you know, they, they know how bad they started out and they're just riding this win streak and they keep going. I know, um, I believe Bryce Wasserman keeps saying on Twitter, don't say the Raptors are getting hot because he doesn't want us to jinx it. But they are on fire right now. They're the hottest team in pro lacrosse. Uh, and you know they're right in the thick of things, and if they get a win on Saturday, they're back at 500 with a potential playoff spot on the line coming up in these final three weeks.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see uh, what they do from here. They have to be one of the uh, probably most popular squads right now. Everyone loves an underdog story, and uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens kind of going forward. So here, if you look at kind of the the standings wise they are obviously still out of the playoffs but they're only uh one game out of that that fourth spot with the what blazers lost this um this past weekend they're only a game behind them and depending on uh the Outlaws and Cannons kind of going forward, that they have a game up on uh, the Cannons and Outlaws right now, who are both seven and five. So, uh, depending on how their next game goes, uh, these standings could uh, look a lot different. And I, we talked about this last week, but it's just crazy how first quarter of the season went uh, to think that this is where we would be. Those four squads in the middle, just like the PLL, are fighting for those final final three spots, so I'm super excited to, to see um, what goes forward here. I think it's important to note, we discussed before, um, unlike the uh, PLL it's not first by goal differential it's by head to head matchup so especially for the Rattlers obviously they need to keep winning just to, to get in that spot um, but for the head to head for them against the Blaze uh, and Cannons isn't as good as um, it is with Denver so um, it's big that Denver's in that three spot currently um, depending on how things go forward so awesome time in professional lacrosse from the PLL playoffs and also MLL going forward Yeah, no, and the Rattlers have a a big opportunity on
0: Saturday. They play the Lizards, who, you know, are all but walking dead right now. Um, You know, they're still turning out competitive games, but you can just tell they're not playing with that same type of energy that these other teams are playing. So good opportunity for the Rattlers to get their seventh straight victory. But uh, let's go to our game picks, Adam. We only have two to pick. Um, This past week we both went 4-3. Um, I'm currently sitting at 35 and 26. You're 32 and 29. So you didn't inch any closer to me in the standings this week, but, you know, you at least got it done where you needed to. And you got two games to... Uh, maybe get a swing here. So let's go into these two MLL games. Uh, the first one is the Cannons at the Outlaws. Who are you picking in this one?
1: I'm going to take the Cannons in this one. I think they're going to get back into the win column. And Usually I like the I make my picks to make the juiciest of outcomes. So with this loss um, and my pick uh, for the next game, the Outlaws are going to be on the outside looking in for the playoffs. So um, I usually am story-based when I make these picks. So I'm picking Cannons just for the storyline heading into the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm going to go Outlaws because they, you know, they do well at home uh, coming off a big victory where they saw a lot of people get involved and score. You know, obviously John Grant Jr., but we talked about even the rookies like Aslanian and Ryan Lee. So, you know, I, I think they're going to get it done uh, this weekend against that Cans team and uh, really, you know, get back into this playoff race. But following that one, we'll have the Lizards at the Rattlers. I think I kind of know where you're going with this already, but who are you picking in this one, Adam?
1: You know, I've picked against the Lizards all these times, and I'm going raps.
0: Yeah, I'm going Rattlers as well. Uh, You know, I I picked against them this past weekend, and I'm kind of regretting it because I was riding that Rattlers train (laughs) for a little while. I got off, but hopefully they'll welcome me back on because I'm picking them this weekend over the Lizards, and I think they'll get their seventh straight win. But uh, that wraps up our podcast. Uh, You know, hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, Please go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. Our interview with Chaos midfielder Deemer Class is currently out. We also have an interview with head coach of the Chrome, Dom Starger, coming up later this week, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, but that concludes our podcast, so let's go into overtime, Adam. What are you looking forward to most this weekend?
1: I'm really looking forward to that Cannons-Outlaws game. probably has the biggest playoff implications um, when it comes to two teams, both in the hunt, so definitely looking forward to that one on Saturday at 5 p.m., so check that one out.
0: Yeah, no, and I'm looking forward to the other game. The Radlers, uh, you know, have a chance to get back to 500 with their seventh straight win if they they get it done against the Lizards. So I'm excited to see how the Radlers do and if they can keep the streak alive. Uh, but that wraps up episode 18. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.